Welcome back to the Department 12 podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ben Butina, and joining me tonight is Stephanie Mockler. How are you tonight, Stephanie? I'm doing great. How about you, Ben? I'm doing well. So Stephanie has joined us tonight to talk about coaching. And since this is the first time, I can't believe it, but we've been doing the show for three years and we haven't talked about coaching. Uh, Since this is the first time we'll be talking about it, I'm going to uh, enlist Stephanie to do a little heavy lifting for us. So could you start just by telling us what is coaching? Sure. Well, like many other topics in in IO, coaching uh, has several definitions, right? So depending on who you talk to, you might get a different answer here in terms of of what coaching is. Uh, From my perspective, coaching is about helping uh, individuals, typically leaders within organizations, gain insight into themselves, learn about their strengths, their opportunities, uh, their impact on those around them, and then utilize that information to increase their effectiveness and and reach their goals, whatever those might be. And a coach really helps support them through that process uh, from helping them get the data and insight to build that self-awareness to helping them put together an action plan that they then execute on uh, to drive their success. Okay, very thorough. So uh, you are a leadership consultant and executive coach and head of insights at Vantage Leadership Consulting, and you are the founder and owner of the Female Leaders Edge, which I understand is sort of a a specialty coaching practice for for women leaders. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. You also have your MA from DePaul in IO Psych, and you're working on your PhD. Can I ask, did any of your coursework or uh, your research focus on coaching at all? Interestingly enough, it did not. So I had one special topic course that I took that talked about the employee life cycle. And we had a couple of sessions where we talked briefly about coaching, uh, specifically what coaching is and how it differs from mentorship or sponsorship. Hmm. Uh, But beyond that, I did not have any formal training in, in this space. Yeah, and I don't think that's uncommon because even though coaching's been around for a little while now, I think it's still fairly new to the world of IO. Um, is coaching licensed or regulated in any way? It is not regulated, but there is a licensing process that you can go through if you'd like. So there's organizations like the International Coaching Federation that does pretty in-depth courses and training for coaches. And there's many other organizations out there that do similar work. And so you can have a a certification and sometimes that can help in in this space. Sometimes clients will ask specifically, where were you certified or do you have it? But typically when you have a master's degree and particularly a a PhD in IO psych, I find that that credential and training helps people develop the the right skills to become a good coach without needing that that additional uh, certification. That's really interesting. So I am assuming that most of our listeners are familiar with counseling and psychotherapy, at least academically as part of our coursework. Could you differentiate coaching from either, you know, either one of those sort of mental health treatment modalities? Sure. So um, I would say that the biggest difference is in the, the context that you're helping someone develop within. So coaching, uh, executive coaching in particular, is really rooted in the context of an organization or someone's career. Now, that's not to say that uh, we don't talk about personal life. Um, I certainly do in my coaching. I want to make sure I'm helping people um, get more effective in ways that aren't going to negatively influence how they Mm -hmm. show up with their families or or otherwise. But the boundaries are different. Um, And I I think as a coach, it's really important to set those expectations and boundaries up front because it's very Mm -hmm. easy for them to get blurred over time. 
So I think that's the biggest difference is context and, and the boundaries that you set. And then certainly the reason why an executive coach is brought in would be different as well. We're typically helping good people get better versus helping someone that has maybe a, you know something that they're dealing with that's a broader issue. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Um, you talked about the the sort of certification process that's available through International Coaches Federation, and and I've seen plenty of other uh, plenty of other certifications like that. In your opinion, is is coaching overregulated, underregulated, or just about right? I think it's highly underregulated, to be honest, Ben. I I don't think that there should be a broader certification process that's necessary. But I think with social media these days, people call themselves a coach in all sorts of contexts. So there's Mm. empowerment coaches, health coaches, leadership coaches, uh, mindset coaches, and, and almost anyone can label themselves as a coach without having any credentials, really, you don't even need to have a a college degree, right? You could be a 18 year old who says I'm a coach. And so I think that insofar as we, there's some, some consistency with, you know, who are the coaches you'd pick for certain things that some more regulation would be helpful. So that's interesting. You talked about, you know, who would we, who would we pick as a coach in, in certain contexts? So what I'm wondering is, um, if you as a, let's say you're a client and you're looking for a coach yourself, would you choose someone that has a, sort of a specialty in the issues or problems that you would like to work on? Or would you pick somebody uh, who's more of a generalist who you kind of personally click with? What would make more sense to you? The latter makes more sense to me. And that is the process that we use at Vantage as well, where I work at the firm that I work at is we offer our clients a couple of different coaching bios. And then we set up what we call chemistry check conversations, where you just get a, a, a chance to connect with potential coaches. And essentially, the coach is being interviewed by the client. And so I do these all the time. Um, and it's an opportunity for the client to get a, get a feel for who they might work best with. Um, it often doesn't really matter even if a coach has expertise in, in the specific industry that they're going to be supporting a leader in or anything that ca- the personal connection in that chemistry and training is, is critical from my perspective. Okay. So you're coaching in a couple different contexts. One is advantage and you, you t- described a little bit about the process of how, um, how clients can select a coach from, from bios and, and do these chemistry checks. Uh, but you're also the founder and owner of the female leader leaders edge, which it seems like is, is more of a specialty for, for women leaders. I'm, I'm curious, what is the most common, um, issue, problem, or goal uh, that you see your clients in that context bring? Yeah, well, there's several. I think one is really figuring out how to navigate organizational structures and cultures that often aren't uh, as friendly to women. So many of the people that that come to me are high performers, you know, high achievers. They have really specific goals for themselves, but they find that they just run into walls when it comes to trying to work their way up um, in certain organizations, in certain industries in particular that are much more male dominated. And so finding ways to push past that is one of the most common uh, issues that I, that I see. So when you're working with someone um, on an issue like that or, or helping them sort of overcome these obstacles, is it more, um, asking them questions to help clarify what they need to do? Or is it more advice giving? Or is it a little of both? It's a little bit of both. I find that it often depends on the level of the individual and how much career experience they have. When I'm working with 
new managers who were perhaps recently promoted into a management position, I find that I'm giving more advice than I typically would for a mm. more seasoned or senior leader where I'm provide I'm serving more as a sounding board, asking questions, helping them solve problems. Um, so almost a, for earlier career professionals, it feels a little bit more like you're blending coaching with education and training as well. So really helping them figure out what does it even mean to be a manager? How do you lead people? How do you, how do you structure a performance coaching conversation? Things like that is where I feel I'm giving a bit more advice or even just giving resources for them yeah. to utilize. Whereas the more experienced people have it, it, it shifts in terms of the conversation. Makes sense. So speaking of advice, if, if you were an approached by a young person who wanted to pursue a coaching career, um, would you advise an IO psych program or something else? What do you think? I, I would, I would advise an, an IO psych program. Now, of course I'm biased, right? So if I, <laughs> if I challenge myself a bit there, that's okay. The also, audience is too. So. <laughs> yeah. So IO, you know, all the way and we're all IO nerds here. Right. But um, the the thing that I've seen in the industry is that those that have a clinical psychology background or a counseling psychology background do really, really well as coaches too. So the firm that I work at now is about a 50-50 split. Um, the founding partner is a, a clinical psychologist and he shifted over into consulting psychology after having to practice for, for several years. And the skill set is a bit different, right, in terms of how you're trained, uh, but the skills that lead to a coach being effective are, are very similar and overlapping between IO, clinical counseling, mm -hmm. many different uh, psychology degrees. Um, so I would say probably IO first would be my recommendation if someone has a choice, uh, but clinical or counseling would, would be good as well. I see. Um, yeah. So I actually read um, a, some research recently and it's highly exploratory and you know, very, very initial and provisional, but uh, compared the outcomes for clients of coaches who had psychology backgrounds or some other background. And those who were clients for uh, coaches who had psychology backgrounds did uh, significantly better in terms of improved job performance and increased self-awareness. So lots more research to be done there, I'm sure. Um, what do IO folks bring to coaching that others don't, you think? Yeah, so there's several things. One is just the the training and the the insight in organizational behavior and really learning about you know what different organizational structures look like, um, having a course on something like leadership, um, having all that type of insight into organizations, I think is incredibly helpful. And the other piece, um, at least for those going through a PhD program, is the ability to be really analytical and to mm. uh, learn about someone in a pretty data-driven way and then utilize that data to help tell a story and help someone learn about themselves. I found that my research background and, and quantitative uh, experience in particular has really helped me when it comes to doing a 360 assessment, for example, which is almost always the foundation of, of a new coaching engagement, being able to collect data, you know, in a rigorous way, integrate it, and then help someone learn is, is a key skill that um, I think IOs bring to the table. That makes a lot of sense. And that's uh, maybe something I'd reinforce for any students listening is that some of the coursework that we take in subjects like leadership and organizational behavior um, and quantitative statistics and things like that that seem like, wow, you know, it, it seems to us maybe a little basic. Not many people ever take a course, for example, on leadership or learn about mm -hmm. a leadership theory. And so you might be a little better equipped than you even imagine that you are um, because it's not like 
you're in a class and the professor's pointing out how you could apply that to coaching, but you certainly could. Um, I want to talk to you about research a little bit because, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, I feel like we're just starting to dip our toe into coaching research in the I.O. world and, and even in the, the sort of cross-disciplinary uh, coaching psychology and coaching journals. It still feels relatively fresh and there's still some basics that we're figuring out. So yeah, um, I'll put you on the spot here. If you had an unlimited research budget, uh, personally, what coaching-related question would you pursue? It's a great question and not something I've ever thought about before. So <laughs> thank you for putting me on the spot on that one. You know, what I would really like to do with coaching, I would I would want to ask, is coaching a, a valid way to improve leadership effectiveness? And I know that's quite broad, but we validate our assessments in terms of, of their ability to predict job performance, right? Or even uh, their ability to predict leadership potential. Uh, I have not, or I've rarely seen uh, organizations do that with coaching. And so it's, it's hard to really get tangible results from coaching. You can get reactions, right? If you think of Kirkpatrick's mm-hmm. four sure. level model, you can figure out what are the reactions? You know, are people enjoying this? Are you seeing some differences in behavior? Typically the answer is, is yes. Uh, but we can't really get a sense of what the real business impact is. So that's what I'd be curious to learn more about. Yeah, that'd be a great topic. And I imagine that the sort of lack of standardization in the field would make it a little tough to measure. You'd have to operationalize it in a very specific kind of coaching model uh, in order to be able to measure the outcomes from it. Um, But it definitely sounds like an interesting challenge. So anybody out there who's listening, who's looking for a a dissertation topic or a master's thesis topic, this might be a a good place to start your literature search. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're exactly right. I think just one point on that, the the differences in the types of coaching that people offer varies widely. And you often don't even know what it means to coach until you start doing it. And mm-hmm. I find that I adapt my approach and my style and the tools I use based on the individual that I'm working with. So it is really difficult to be able to say, here's what coaching is. Here's the process. Here's the structure. It's hard to standardize it. Yeah. So I have, uh, before I got into IO Psych, I have a background in clinical mental health and, and something that you just said kind of uh, struck a chord with me, and that is you don't really know what coaching is until you start doing it. And it was kind of similar on, on the clinical side where you got so far in before you actually rolled up your sleeves and, and worked with anyone. So you didn't know whether or not it was going to suit you until you had already made a pretty significant investment of your time, your effort, and your money to get there. And so there's kind of like a, a sunk cost fallacy that might that might sink in. So for my last question, I'll ask you something maybe even a little more challenging, which is if someone's thinking about coaching as a career, maybe they're an IO Psych grad student now, maybe they're an IO Psych academic thinking about, you know, doing some consulting work on the side or maybe even transitioning to doing this full time. Who is it that you think absolutely should not be doing coaching? Like, what is it that you would just say, you know, if, if this isn't okay with you, you, you definitely don't want to pursue coaching as a career? So, a couple of things come to mind when you ask that. One is if you can't take a back seat and listen to someone else and, and really lead from behind and, and drive someone else's success uh, without getting any sort of recognition for it, really, then mm-hmm. you shouldn't pursue coaching. So people that are out for um, getting recognition, being publicly recognized for some of the impact they're having might struggle with coaching because you're very much supporting people behind the scenes, right? Someone might make a really amazing decision that has um, great impact on uh, on a business, and you helped them think through that and served as a sounding board, but you don't necessarily get any recognition for it. Uh, so you need to be really comfortable with with that sort of situation. Thank you. 
So this was a great conversation. I want to thank you uh, for taking time out of your, your busy schedule to talk to us. Uh, I'm going to share links to, um, uh, to your LinkedIn profile, to your Twitter profile, uh, and to both of your businesses. If somebody wanted to get a hold of you, uh, just to talk to you a little bit further about what you uh, to talk, talked about on the uh, podcast tonight, what would be the best way to reach you? So the best way to reach me would, would be via email. Um, I'm, I'm in my inbox way too much. I won't <laughs> even admit to you how much I'm checking my email. But um, So it's smockler at vantageleadership.com. That would be um, a really good way to reach me. In addition, I'm quite active on Instagram at, at the Female Leaders Edge. So I have an Instagram account associated with um, that, that business. And I'm very active there. So I, I share a lot. I get pretty vulnerable. I talk with people. I'm trying to build a community. So I'd welcome anyone following me there as well. That's outstanding. And I will definitely include a link to that Instagram account as well. And thank you again for being on the show. I hope you have a great night. Of course. Thanks. Thanks, Ben.